Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. It's a crisp and cool January the 10th, 2021, and we certainly welcome you this morning. Uh, we really uh, are grateful for your participation in the broadcast, in the thinking concerning the things that we are studying. This is um, now episode number 18 of the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God, we're in chapter 5, um, and we have been for some, some time, um, and there's, there's more to go. So uh, this is the point we're at, around 24, and just before that, is the, I consider the great dissertation of Jesus to the uh, Jewish leaders. That's the topic of our study today, and as it was in the previous lesson. Now, here, as we find, like in verse 16, uh, we find here that Jesus is speaking the very words of the Father in heaven to those accusing him of sinning 
by breaking the Sabbath, and with malice and murder in their hearts, they did charge this Jesus, the miracle worker. You know, friends, I find that incredible. It seemed like every time that Jesus went to Jerusalem, his presence wasn't really uh, appreciated by those of the leadership in Jerusalem. And there was uh, much tension and uh, dissension and plans uh, to eliminate his voice from the presence of the people. That's why I say malice and murder. Well, the scriptures tell me that. Um, isn't, it, isn't it something that the word murder is used there? Uh, of course, that was, uh, I guess it's a short trip from malice to murder, which is something that we need to consider. <clears throat> now, how, friends, can the words of Jesus First, be ignored or misunderstood because of the way that they're delivered and the foundation that, that they are clearly, uh, the foundation they clearly have. Now, it wasn't like this is the first time that the people in Jerusalem and the Jews had heard the things that Jesus was saying. Some of the things were new. But most of it was um, things that had been given by God long ago, through the prophets, through the history, things that they knew but were didn't want to think about. These are the things many times that he spoke. So the misunderstanding, I think, was uh, selective on their part. <coughs> now for us, of course, it's easy for us to see and look onto this and be critical. But remember the uh, the time and the the culture of the day, uh, the feelings. Uh, the people were indeed under the thumb of Rome. But uh, Messiah had come to them at a time that they really thought was possible, but. He didn't seem to be saying the things that they wanted to hear. Well, I think the only thing to do is read on in our text. As I said in verse 16, Alex put it up on the screen. <clears throat> it says that because of this were the Jews persecuting Jesus and seeking to kill him because these things he was doing on the Sabbath. Well, that was their justification, if you will, for their thoughts. But I, I, I don't believe that it would have, uh, it would have passed the test, though, of good thinking. Well, in chapter five, about verse twenty-four through thirty is where we're going to start today. <clears throat> and here we get uh, the double wording which um, makes a solid very uh, truthful statement out of out of it uh, verily verily I say to you he who is hearing my word and is believing him who sent me 
hath life, age during, or without end. And to judgment he doth not come, but hath passed out of the death to the life. This is why I like Young's translation. He doesn't omit these definite articles, and he puts things in a, in a in a understandable order with the power of the words. So we'll th- think about that verse. Let's finish the, the rest. <clears throat> verse 25, Verily, verily, I say to you, there cometh an hour, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those having heard shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he gave also to the Son to have life in himself. And authority he gave him also to do judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Wonder not at this, because there doth come an hour in which all those in the tomb shall hear his voice, and they shall come forth, those who did good things to a rising again of life, and those who practiced the evil things to a rising again of judgment. I am not able of myself to do anything. According as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. We'll pause there. I think one of the key things in this very first verse we read from 24 is the phrase, and is believing him who sent me. See, that's a key. Uh, that was the, the point of separation between those that were listening to him, wasn't it? You were either there or you were on the other side, not believing. Not believing what? That God had sent this one that was speaking to them. And if you did believe, you're the one that hath life without end. See, this is a qualifier for those hoping for heaven, for the Jews were hoping for heaven. They were hoping to go to, to the Creator, to their God, most of them. The believing one, this one, has passed out of the death, now that the death means certain death. Death without hope. Death that takes you only to judgment and then punishment. And into the life. See, the believing one has the life. They've come out of the death into the life. And this is the same life, of course, that we find in uh, so many of our New Testament passages, um, such as uh, John 14:6, the words of Jesus, as he's talking here to the apostles, they're asking him questions, and he makes this uh, clear statement, which is uh, rather the basis of their ministry in days to come. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, 
and the truth and the life. No one doth come unto the Father if not through me. Very clear. That, friends, is the principle of Christianity. If that isn't foundational, then you have no, no part of Christianity. It's very clear from the Savior, the Son of God. And let's look at 1 John chapter 1, just the first couple of verses. <clears throat> the apostle writing this, speaking of Jesus, of course, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we did behold and our hands did handle, concerning the word of the life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen, and do testify and declare to you the life, the age during, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now, one thing, remember that word manifested means clearly seen. You know, the first century folks and people of that time, this idea of an eyewitness, was very critical in any testimony. Very critical. Isn't it still today? It, it, it is. It is. Although we know that eyewitness uh, issues are, uh, about certain things, such as car wrecks and things of that sort, people always have their own little take on it, especially if you give them an hour or two to think about it. But the eyewitness situation is certainly something that we feel very powerful about. And that's how the gospel went out to the world. And isn't that the main objective of teaching in the first place? Is to make things just clear and well understood. And I imagine the, uh, the leaders in Jerusalem appreci appreciated that of the least things about Jesus <laughs> during those days. Well, I'm sure they did. Because Jesus is making it clear that he is an eyewitness of the things of heaven, the things of the Father. What he has heard and seen, isn't that just what he's saying? I believe it is. So uh, these things are important, and, and the beauty of it is, as far as I'm concerned, is that God has preserved these writings through the centuries so that we can claim the exact same eyewitness testimony in our preaching and teaching and witnessing for the Lord. You see, it's just as valid now as it was then. And that's something that we need to appreciate. For we wouldn't have it if, if participation from heaven hadn't been part of this. The, uh, the work from heaven if you will. Now, in verses 25 and 26, I want you to notice the uh, time statement here. Um, there cometh an hour, and it now is. You see, that ties the, the, uh, the action very close to where they're at. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, the grammar is clear, the, the Greek is clear, um, and this is something that's upon them. 
that something is going to happen to those that are listening to his words. Now, I, this was a reality for those hearing his words that very day. And I think that's a powerful, powerful statement for them, of course, but for us too. We're learning the truth of things. Let's look at Matthew 24, 31, the words of Jesus to the apostles concerning the very time period he's speaking of here. The very time period. And we could read the whole chapter and get a better view, but that's not this study today. Verse 31, he's, he's saying, uh, after the appearance of the sign of the Son and man in heaven, in verse 31 it says, And he shall send his messengers, or his ministering angels, with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his chosen from the four winds, from the ends of the heavens unto the ends thereof. By the way, that trumpet sound is, is a voice. A voice. This is the time when the righteous dead will be brought forth. All of these things. And by the way, there's many other verses. We can go to Revelation and also hear basically the same thing. And then in, um, in John 10, uh, there's some passages here. John 10, the first section is 16 through 18. <clears throat> Jesus speaking, and uh, uh, some people call these parables, but I think they're a little bit more than, than that. This is a, a reality, if you will. But he's using words that they can deal with. And other sheep, because you see, he's the shepherd. And other sheep I have that are not of this fold, that is the Jewish fold, these also it behooveth me to bring, and my voice they will hear. And there shall become one flock, one shepherd. Because of this doth the Father love me, because I lay down my life that again I may take it. No one, hath, hath, no one doth take it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Authority I have to lay it down, and authority I have again to take it. This command I received from my Father. By the way, this authority is delegated authority. Uh, almost all times the word authority is used in the New Testament outside of a couple, it's delegated authority and it's Jesus speaking. Uh, there are other instances of it used differently in a sentence. Delegated. These things all come from God. Then verse 27 and 28 of the same chapter. According as I said to you, my sheep, my voice do hear, and I know them, and they follow me. And life age during or without end I give to them and they shall not perish to the age and no one shall pluck them out of my hand. You're looking for powerful statements and great promises. Uh, I think 
we find it in these passages. And all of this, you know, that's why, you know, I think it's important to remember about the idea of delegated authority. It doesn't minimize Jesus. But what it does is it puts things where they belong. This is the will of God. All of these things. But remember, God is hidden. He's not coming down and doing this on his own. But he has sent his son to do these things and to speak these words. You know, Neil, the, uh, both uh, you know, the Mormons and uh, the UFOers used to use that other, other sheep line to talk about themselves. That's going to kind of mess up that a little. <laughs> well, they've tried to mess it up, but they're not aware of the, the culture of the world then was very clear. There were the, the chosen, the, the covenant people of God and everyone else. So the other sheep had to come from the everyone else. Um, it, it's yeah. historically there's not a leg to stand on on the the uh, the other ideas there. Um, we have no authority to even think on, on on the line that they're talking about. And of course, as far as the Mormon claim, that's rather self-serving. Uh, for their break it down and, and you do realize I mean I, I've got a life growing up in the Christian church of experience and being able to say this that it's shocking how many people don't know that Jesus came for the Jews and that's who he was with spoke with and was and yeah, and that's right uh, you know that kind of a basic thing we kind of assume people know well, if he's the Messiah of God, he would have been coming for the people of God. So, and, and he made it very clear a number of times. Uh, his, uh, I guess they would call it the uh, uh, job one, his task, what he'd been sent for. It wasn't that no one else would ever have this, but that it was, had to be done in the exact order that God had said it would be done. And that's exactly what occurred. And some might say, well, why, why wait about seven years before the Gentiles were added in? Well, is that really a question that we need to try to debate? I don't really think so. I think the timing was probably perfect. Uh, since it wasn't, it was God doing the timing. You know, two weeks ago, Neil, you were talking about the woman at the well. Right. And... You know, I, I think that was an eye-opener for a lot of people then, and probably including his disciples. Yeah, it was, I'm sure. But, you know, even they had to wait. Uh, they didn't wait as long as the Gentiles waited um, because the apostles were going to them earlier. But remember, they were still blood-wise um, Jews, uh, not 100%, but then again, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, outside of the uh, the heritage of the Messiah of God and and Mary that we know is is all these things were are very clearly uh, firm and is Joseph as far as that goes uh, although his line is from the from Solomon and Mary's from uh, Nathan who 
had the authority to have a king from that line again. Solomon's line had been cut off. But uh, nonetheless, all these things are uh, in perfect order, the timing, and um, the Gentiles, uh, you know, righteous men were righteous men. And and God knew those that were righteous, of course. And they had an opportunity to share in the, as Jesus said, other sheep, other sheep. And other sheep were those that died in Christ, whether they were Gentile or Jewish, at his, at his, in his presence at the, uh, uh, in uh, A.D. 70, thereabouts. So that has a lot to do with, with this conversation. It must have opened a lot of doors and discussion amongst the, the leaders about what does he mean by and is now, you know. I mean, they, they, they knew the time statement was uh, critical for them. Let's look at verse 27. Here we have the, and authority he gave him. That is, God gave the authority to Jesus, the Messiah, also to do judgment because he is the Son of Man. All authority was delegated by God to the Son. Why? Well, because he, everything about the Messiah has to do with the idea of righteousness, sinlessness. Jesus is righteous and he is worthy. He is worthy. In Revelation 5, uh, actually the whole chapter, we find that, that in heaven no one was worthy to open the scroll except for the Lamb. And the Lamb came onto the scene. The Lamb who is of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he was worthy to open the scroll. And they sang songs, Thou art worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that has been slain. And so it was. And these things friends are testimony of course to uh, the son of God who is known as the lamb that is with the father at the in the throne if you will chapter 22 of revelation um, you know the Jews understood that Jesus was talking about delegated authority too he wasn't so there was a difference in what he was saying. They understood the word to mean that he was from delegated from God, which didn't really that that made them even more critical of him. They are they already accused him of making himself an equal of God. Right. They 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 see the connection. Jesus made it clear the authority had come from his Father in heaven. Well, that was an association that was more than they could tolerate because of all of their cultural problems they were having in that day. Um, they're, they're again, they're not much different than men of any age. Uh, we have a weakness in this, 
and we tried to one of the one of the most one of the most dastardly things I think we find through history is that men have have a propensity to try to try to elevate other men or women to a place of godlike power, and this they're happy with. Or in our case, the earth itself. Or the earth itself, the creation, the the stars, you know, and all those and all the things that might be out there, you know. Well, it's a real problem. Um, nonetheless, the judgment that Jesus uh, spoke of here in verse 27 is the same about to be judgment that we read about uh, maybe last week in Acts 17, verse 31. Um, and Paul preaching to the Athenians, to the scholars of, of Athens, said that he said, had, God had set a day in which he is about to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he did ordain, having given assurance to all, having raised him out of the dead. Now, it wouldn't take much even, you know, this, this was a... Uh, this was something that happened in their time. They could confirm it if they'd like. And the apostle is making it clear that this can be none else but Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the testimony of the apostles, the testimony from heaven, if you will. And then in uh, James, I like James does a wonderful job in, in his translation here, not James, but... Uh, Young's literal translation, Dr. Young does. Be patient then, brethren, James says, till the presence of the Lord. Lo, the husbandman doth expect the precious fruit of the earth, being patient for it, till he may receive rain early and latter. Be patient ye also, establish your hearts, because the presence of the Lord hath drawn nigh. Verse 9. Murmur not, one, murmur not against one another, brethren, that you may not be condemned. Lo, the judge before the door hath stood. There isn't a thing about the grammar there that doesn't bring that to the, to the, the time that they're living in. Those that read these words the very first time were living in this exact time. The Lord hath drawn nigh, and he stands, hath stood in front of the door. He's there, then, awaiting the fulfillment of the days. Wonderful time statements, and should have brought judgment uh, right up to the... Uh, <laughs> Right up to the understanding of the people. Now, a time later when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church in his conclusion in the last chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 20, Paul the Apostle says this to the church. And the God of peace shall, uh, it says bruise, but it should be crush, crush the adversary under your feet quickly. Under your feet, did you get that? The church, the body of Christ, under the feet of the Lord. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, that is, uh, by the way, let's go to the Greek there and see. Well, it says, says quickly. I thought the word shortly was in there. It, that might be the same word. Um, Yeah, it shortly is... A, in is it, it's in haste is what it is. Yeah, in haste. Yeah. Uh, speedily. All, all the words that would, of course, shorten up the, the time frame and eliminate the thousands of years. Uh, because we're talking about the body of Christ, the church. And um, anyway, that's a powerful verse also. And this is the judgment that Jesus was speaking of that, uh, at, at that time to those people in Jerusalem. In verses uh, 28 and 29, we, uh, Jesus now tries to explain to them. Or give them, I guess, how about a reason to believe? Uh, I want to reread those two. Wonder not at this, because there doth come an hour in which all those in the tomb shall hear his voice. Now, is that specific enough about who he's talking about? And they shall come forth, those who did the good things to the rising again of life and those who practiced the evil things to the rising again of judgment. Let's look at Daniel chapter 12 the first three verses. If you want to know about wh what time frame this is speaking of, well, I'll give you the time frame that was prophesied by, through Daniel, uh, some 500 years before the birth of Christ. And he says this concerning his people, And at that time, stand up doth Michael, who is the archangel, the great head who is standing up for the sons of thy people. And there hath been a time of distress such as not been since there hath been a nation till that time. And at that time do thy people escape, every one who is found written in the book. And the multitude of those sleeping in the dust of the ground do wake, some to the life age during and some to reproaches to abhorrence age during. Verse 3, And those teaching do shine as the brightness of the expanse, and those justifying the multitudes as stars to the age forever. And then Daniel was told to hide these things, because Daniel was seeing more than he wrote. In, in a number of, of these visions that he had. He wrote what he was told to write, and he sealed up those things until the time of the end. Then we have in Revelation 5, the Lamb opening these seals, the Lamb opening these books, these right. scrolls. That's right. And the book of life that we find in chapter 20, and, uh, you know, and, and the other book... <laughs> All these things are happening. It ties it together. 
the Old Testament just as relevant to this understanding as the New. They were written to all the same people. All right. These are the last days, the last days of the Jews. You see, the end, a time that from the beginning of the Jewish covenant to the end, nothing had been so... And now, just think of the things that had occurred. They had been carried into bondage, the northern tribes to start with in 722, and then Judah and Benjamin and, and Simeon were taken away to Babylon for 70 years. Those were, those were quite something in wars upon wars, but this time, this situation is worse than any. And that is, of course, the A.D. 70 battle, uh, if you will, with Rome, where all of the covenant was completed, done away with, re and, and replaced, of course, by the full-grown kingdom of God, uh, the uh, body of Christ, if you will. So uh, we, we find uh, Jesus making just wonderful statements here, all these things to help them understand what, what's going on, what's happening in their own time, and who they are speaking to. And in verse 30, Jesus defers to his Father. He says, I am not able to, of myself, okay, to do anything. And making it clear that he is only going to do the will of the Father in heaven. He seeks, Jesus seeks not his own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Although Jesus made it clear, the Father and I are one. Their love of man is, is equal. Their love of, of uh, uh, bringing the righteous into heaven uh, and sharing the splendors of the kingdom of God with, with men and women that, are, that will turn towards God, that will be righteous in their, in their, in their uh, actions, if you will, their thoughts, their deeds, and their thinking, and in their heart, of course. But Jesus defers to the Father, and I wonder, you know, they had already accused him of trying to make himself equal with the Father. Even though when he said, I have authority, they understood that it was the delegated authority from God. And yet they still wanted to claim or charge him with making himself equal with God. Now that is false, false testimony on their part. And Jesus deals with it very well here. The one who sent him and promised all these things long ago through the prophets. That is who he's speaking of here. And as it says in verse 31, uh, if I testify concerning myself, my testimony is not true. Now, what's the situation here? Verses 31 through 47. Uh, are uh, interesting because uh, the words of Jesus become, to me, in reading this, uh, they become very personal to the Jewish teachers and leaders. These things are said on a personal level. 
from Jesus to those standing and listening um, who were the leaders, the teachers of the people, and also probably others. And also his words were not only personal, but I think they were extremely logical due to the, the background of the Jewish people. They should have understood and appreciated the logic of, of what Jesus was saying to them because it matched up with the, the prophets. It matched up with their understanding of Moses. You know, they were always speaking of Moses. But when it comes to trying to understand who Moses was speaking about, about the one that would come after me, they don't seem to want to associate those words with uh, Jesus, even though they want to associate it with the Messiah. But like I said, it's hard for us to judge their intentions. We understand they were under great pressure, but they were also being driven by their own willful uh, ambition. Because the government or the rule of these people I think was clouding their understanding of the things of God. Now do we find that in politics in our, our day? Oh, I think it's exactly the same as far as the, the intent and the, the drive behind world leaders and even our own leaders. There's not much room for God. There's not much room for the true leader, if you will, of men. Jesus' words fulfill the law, the prophets, Moses, and the promises from God. But now, but not all of them, I don't believe, were ready to accept this, it seems. Um, let's just look at a few of the verses here. Um, 31. If I testify concerning myself, my testimony is not true. So now he's going to give some evidence, eyewitness and otherwise. Another there is who is testifying concerning me, and I have known that testimony that he doth testify concerning me is true. You have sent unto John, of course that would be John the Immerser, right? And he hath testified to the truth. Now the truth from John was that he was not the Messiah, but the Messiah was with them at the time. Made it very clear who it was. Verse 34. But I do not receive testimony from man, but these things I say that you may be saved. Now, isn't that interesting that he would put that in there at that time? He's rejecting the testimony of man, which seems to be the highest form of testimony to the people of the day. And Jesus says, I, I don't receive that testimony. John was a man, but he was also a prophet of God, as Jesus had said, as the people knew. But you know, John never, uh, John never uh, performed miracles that we know of. Scripture says uh, that it never records it. 
And yet John spoke well, or Jesus spoke well of, of John the Immerser. He was doing exactly what he was called to do that had been prophesied by his own father on the day of his birth. His father prophesied to who his son was. And not only that, he prophesied to the fact that the Messiah was also born, was also with them, and that his son would be uh, that one cutting the way straight and, and preparing the way for the Messiah. The people knew all about this. He was pretty happy to say that, as I recall, too. He was. <clears throat> he was. He, when he got his voice, he started talking some real good, good real good things. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> okay. Well, it, it's all about being saved, isn't it? Jesus came that men may have salvation. Men may have a remedy for their sin. Uh, and that's very important that they do. All right? One more verse. Verse 35. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you did will to be glad for an hour in his light. Jesus speaks very highly of John. John was doing his, his work as a prophet, as a forerunner of the Messiah, and he was a burning and shining lamp to the Jewish people. And he wanted them to know that they should have paid attention to him, at least for an hour in his light. Well, we'll start again next, next lesson with uh, verse 36. Um, and continue on in this dissertation that Jesus has that is very, very beneficial uh, in his uh, ministry to the Jewish people of his day and certainly great evidence and a wonderful, uh, wonderful testimony that we hear. And, you know, just think about this because these are the things the apostles spoke of when they went out unto the world speaking to the other Jews. These are the things that they were telling them about Jesus of Nazareth. They were repeating these things over and over and over again so that the people would understand the message because it was from the Lord. Well, there doesn't seem anywhere to really stop in a lesson like this, but we're going to have to. And uh, But we will... Uh, be here the uh, next Lord's Day, uh, the Lord willing, for episode number 19 of this. And we wish you a wonderful day uh, in the Lord, a wonderful week to come as you are obedient to the Word of God and serve Him would be our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.